Connecting the Dots on Money and Career, Episode 6. We've realized how important it is to have someone to ask all of your money and career questions. Like, how much should I be saving for retirement? Or how do I negotiate a job offer? That's why we're here. We want to help you connect the dots. Welcome back, everyone. Um, this is this episode has been oh my goodness, such a bear to record already. We are literally just starting. Um, I think we're like a week behind because I had migraines, and then I, as we were sitting down to record, <laughs> the fire alarm in my apartment building went off. So it is currently what time is it for you, Danielle? It's right about now? ten p.m. on Sunday night. <laughs> but I yeah. will say this: that was the quickest fire alarm apartment like reset that I've never seen because usually it's like 45 minutes from an hour. And I think it was like 20 minutes that you got in and out, which is actually pretty quick. Well, so it's because we have this issue in my apartment building with the elevators where if the elevator gets too overheated and things can overheat it, like someone holding the doors open for too long, (laughs) something like really basic. Um, They basically have to reset the elevators, but it sets off the alarms in the entire building. Elevator, is that why that happens? I have no idea. I have no (laughs) idea. But it happens like at least every two months. So it's gotten to the point where everyone's like, well, at least it's warm out today. Like, (laughs) you know. Uh, But yeah, so we are here. It's going to be a new, different energy for us. (laughs) Yes, I am so excited for today's episode. Yeah, it'll be good. So um, I know, Danielle, that you had a fun uh, side hustle win this this past week, or I guess since we last talked. So tell us all about it. Yes. Yeah, so I one of the questions I asked in the previous episode was about asking for a raise for like a freelance job. This was in the episode that Genevieve talked about how to negotiate for a raise. I think this might have been episode two. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the questions was actually one of my questions and because I was kind of marinating on this for a little bit and I wanted to kind of ask for a raise because some of the freelance work I was doing was taking a little bit longer. I was using my expertise and I thought, you know, it, it, I probably need to get paid more for this to be worth it for me. And, mm-hmm. um, but I was nervous because it's a contract, you know, a, con- a contract. <laughs> I don't know why I can't say that tonight. It's 10 PM. That's probably mm-hmm. why. The contract job. And so I was kind of nervous to ask because I didn't want to lose the opportunity. But then I finally got up to it. And um, about two weeks ago, I asked and I said, wrote an email because this is a, a virtual relationship. We're not really mm-hmm. seeing each other in person. Or I would have you know, talked to them in person. Um, they were asking about kind of my future work and they, they wanted to contract me for something in the future. And I said, because I, I laid out all my reasons because it takes me this long, because this is what your requirements are, because so and so this, um, mm-hmm. you know, I really want to ask for a raise. Is this is this negotiable? I'm looking for this. I went through my why, like you told me to, why I deserve it. And I actually named the price. And you better believe that once I wrote this out, I definitely called Genevieve and said, Genevieve. Help me. I'm reading my email to you. Edit this. Sound good. And I was actually nervous because I, at first, I I was only going to raise it something really small. Like, I don't, I can't get a percentage small. But then Genevieve was like, well, what do you want? And I said, 
well, it was almost close to double what I was making. And she said, then ask for it. And I asked for it and I got an email back. Like, I think I sent this, you know, I said 9 p.m. the night before. I got an email back like 9 a.m. the next day. It was like, yes, great. We like what you do. Can you do more of it? So not only did I get a raise, but they're like, yes, and do more of this because we really like what you're doing. And I'm like, holy cow. I, I had this question two months ago. Like, yeah. And it's just been really, it's been really kind of crazy. So I think that Genevieve's advice is very good. Um, I told you that we actually use each other's advice and that's why we're here, you know, talking to one another. And then I also found out in this past couple of weeks, I can't, I think this is since we last recorded that, um, that little salary bump to, I'm in academia, so it's definitely not at the 7.9% inflation, but I got a little bump. I got a award for a good teaching, good research, like a, like a, a book kind of thing. Yeah. So that was probably, you know, sometimes when, your mid semester or things tend to feel very long. Something like that can really like boost your morale and just being recognized for what you do. And you know, we've talked about that kind of with, you know, having a good, you know, employer and firm. And so I've 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 been it's been pretty good. You know what? With all of this in mind, I'm gonna save my update for next episode. <laughs> So you guys may have seen over the past couple weeks, whenever you were listening to this, it was a couple weeks before we recorded, um, that we created a couple of polls asking our followers and our contacts, you know, when they personally knew it was time to leave their last job. Like, what was the sign for them? And so many of you guys had similar stories. So what we're going to do in this week's episode is cover a couple of the popular reasons that people started looking for a new job and what you can do in some of those cases, there may be a way for you to stay at your company. If you're happy at the company and just switch things around to kind of get past those situations. And then we're also going to talk at the end about the specific red flags that mean like, you know, game over, it's time to leave. The one thing I do want to caveat for this is that in each of these situations that we're going to talk through, we are going to assume that you're not working in a toxic or harmful work environment. If you see any of the red flags that we discuss later, well, you already have your answer as to what to do. <laughs> it's time to leave. Um, so the first situation that we're going to cover is the one that I heard the most from people, which was, I feel bored. I feel like I'm stagnant in my career. I'm just not learning anymore. Now, this may be a, sim a symptom of you getting to a point in your job where you're really good at what you do. It's all kind of old hat. Every day starts to feel the same and you might be feeling like you're going a little bit crazy. Or maybe your job is monotonous a little bit, that it's the same task every Monday, same mm -hmm. task every Tuesday. And you so already know what you're doing. You're not feeling challenged. You're not getting all of that stuff. You know, is it possible to find the spark to find the challenge again? The solution for this, which I would recommend before you decide, you know, hey, I'm pulling the ripcord, I'm out of this place, is, you know, take this opportunity and talk to your boss. Be really upfront and say, you know, I'm starting to feel bored at work. I feel like I'm, I need a new challenge. Is there an opportunity for you to take on a new project? Is there an opportunity for you to, stretch, um, take a stretch assignment and get something where there's a little bit more challenge. Can you 
actually tell your boss that you're bored? I totally get about asking for a stretch mm-hmm. assignment, but can you actually go up to them and be like, hey, I've been bored with work. Would you actually use that phrasing or what would you actually say? So, so much of this is going to be dependent on your relationship with your boss. That's true. And the difference between not even just industries, there are certain industries where you might be a little bit more formal with your manager versus others. Like I'm sure in academia, you know, you have to kind of think about how you frame things. Um, Same thing for me working in HR. I think it's really important to be (laughs) tactful. Uh, The way that I would frame it, if you're bored, and this has happened to me in the past, uh, actually, when I was working as a recruiting coordinator way back in the day, 2014. I wish you could see your face right now. <laughs> yeah, well, this is why we are not recording video yet. But back in 2014, I was a recruiting coordinator. I got to the point where I was able to do my job like pretty quickly, kind of, I was bored. I was bored. I felt like I, I needed to, more of a challenge. And in that situation, I talked to my manager who I was very close with. This was my manager who ended up being a mentor of mine. And I said, hey, Pam, like informal conversation, but I'm starting to feel a little bored and I'm not looking to leave. This isn't something where I'm unhappy here, but what, what are my challenges? What are the things that I can do? What skills do I need to get better at? Is there something else that you can throw me that will be a little bit more of a challenge? And honestly, depending on you know the size of your department and things like this, your manager might be really excited to have you say, hey, I need a new challenge because that means you could take over something for them. So, or do you more work or something. Exactly. Managers are always happy to give you more work. Even if you're in a situation where it's very formal, you can still say, you know, hey, I'm looking for a new challenge. You know, I feel really good with what I'm doing, but I'm ready for something more, something to sink my teeth into. You know, what are the projects that I can do to help you out? You will rarely get an answer that says, oh, there's nothing. Just keep, just keep plugging away. You're totally fine. So that would be the first one that I, I would look at. You know, if you're starting to feel bored, if you're not learning. The second most, you know, responded um, situation was people saying, there's no, there was no room for growth for me. There wasn't anywhere for me to go. And try as you might, sometimes you're going to run into a spot where there isn't anywhere for you to go at that particular company. You know, there's two separate things that you could be looking at as far as growth. Um, And I think that understanding and defining what that means for you specifically is going to be really important because for some people, growth means I want to develop my skill set. You know, like right now I'm a really good, uh, I'm really good at SQL and I'm really good at anything related to databases, but you know, there's not anywhere else I can, you know, learn with that, but I'd really love to understand Python more and then get more into the data science part of programming. For other people, it could be something totally different where they say, for me, growth means I'm being promoted and I'm getting titles that are increasing in responsibility. And I think we really need to look at these as two separate questions underneath, you know, the nest of there's no room for growth. If you're looking for growing your skill set, it's another great opportunity to reach out to your manager or reach out to human resources and say, hey, I want to tap into learning these additional skills for my, my job. So if you're that person who's really good at SQL and you want to learn Python and it's relevant to your job, obviously. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think 
uh, one of the questions that I have is what if you're interested in something not as tangential, a little bit maybe. So not as related to your core. Yeah, right. Because like SQL is database, Python. Yeah. I mean, and for those that are in these technical fields, right, that that's for coding and mm-hmm. they're related. You need to access database sometimes to code and all the source, but you could just be a database expert. Well, let's say you are doing database work and you're like, you know what? I'm actually interested in the sales side of the, the software mm-hmm. we're selling. I want to actually go into sales. So you want to make a career pivot, but you like the company. You actually like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Would you be? Would that be like an actual shift in jobs then instead of asking for a completely different, like a different team? So that's actually a really interesting question. It's an interesting situation there. Let's look at the example you said of, you know, I'm someone who's really good at SQL. Maybe I have some, you know, so I have some coding experience, but I want to get into the sales part of this company. That's where you can talk to HR. Human resources is a really good opportunity to say, hey, this is a path I want to explore within our company. Um, I can tell you from my past that we actually have interviewed people who were in the more technical fields who said, hey, I actually really want to be working closer with our users. And they were moved into either a solutions engineer space, which is basically a role that kind of bridges between being um, a technical skill set that also works with the sales team and works with, you know, new customers. Um, We've also had people who moved from being like hardcore coders to working with customers. Would you go to HR first or would you go to your manager? Would you go to HR to like see if it's a possibility? Again, this is going to depend on your relationship with your manager. Um, Some managers are, and I think some of the best managers are those who will say, listen, I want you to be successful, whether that's on my team or not, and they'll help to get you there. There are other managers who are kind of like, no, you're really good. Like, I really need you to stay here. It'll make my my life really hard if you (laughs) go somewhere else at the company. So I think that, you know, evaluate that situation first, figure out what that dynamic is, and then... If it is something where you're worried that your manager's kind of going to put the kibosh on it, um, I think it really is worth talking to your HR manager and saying, hey, this is a path that I'd like to go toward and I'd really like to do it here because I know the company really well. Obviously, you have to have a, a, a path or a, a past of strong performance at the company, you know, because if you're kind of faltering, it might be harder to make that argument. But I think it certainly is a situation where maybe this is me as my HR bias, but I think it's worth talking to HR because sometimes we can, you know, we know about upcoming hires that may be, you know, on the plan. So there's ways for us to make that work. Yeah, it seems like HR might know a little bit more because they have a wider scope of the whole organization. Exactly. You know, the better first step. Yeah, I would say that we tend to have that like, you know, eagle eye view of the company as a whole and not just the department or the team. That's really helpful if you're looking for like growing your skill set and, you know, making sure you're not bored there at the company. Um, I will say sometimes if your goal is looking for promotional growth, it's looking for, you know, hey, I'm a manager right now. My goal is to be a director. Some companies, based on their size, smaller ones, there may not be an opening there for a long time. So in that situation, sometimes your your best option is going to be to leave the company. The third reason that I heard, and it was framed different ways by different people, but what this third main reason for people leaving their last jobs was, was that they felt 
like their work was pointless or it was meaningless. They weren't feeling connected to it. Did I write this in? I've had I've had jobs that I felt that way. I did not write this in, but when Jen actually shared this list with me, I was like, oh my God, did I write these? And mm-hmm. Because we've all felt that at one point. I felt they were so relatable. I'm like, yes, I can't wait for this episode. Exactly. Yeah. So, and that's the thing that like, it does really come for a lot of us. You know, it may be something where you have a season in your career where you're like, what am I even doing this for? Does this even matter? Yeah. Or, and it doesn't necessarily even reflect on, you know, your company or your position or what it is. It's just like some of it really is that you are having trouble seeing where you and your work actually fit into the larger ecosystem of what your company does. So the the one thing I do want to say is like, when I'm referring to this specifically about like my work doesn't have, and literally I have my air quotes, like my work doesn't have meaning. I'm not saying that in like a follow your bliss, live your passion, do what you love and you won't work a day in your life. Um, I personally am a little jaded. I don't think that you necessarily have to be working in your passion area for you to feel fulfilled and like you're doing um, useful work. So I'm not necessarily saying like you have to work in your passion area. There are ways for you to derive meaning from the work that you're doing that have nothing to do with things that necessarily like motivate or inspire you in your personal life. Um, What I will say in this case, the first thing that I would look at is your mindset. Um, In this case, I think a really key question is to ask, do you feel like your work is contributing to the greater good of the company? Do you feel like you're able to positively affect people in some way with your work? Now, this is something, you know, examples. So I can give you examples from a couple of different um, functional areas. I think that helps because for a lot of people, they yeah, I think, well, not even just contacts. Like, when I hear this, I think, oh, does it matter? Are you passionate about it? But like you said, they could be separate. And I think that's something that I think a lot of people probably mm-hmm. would like to hear about. Yeah, I would love, this is something that I, I, funny enough, I'm very passionate about. So I would love to do a future episode talking about why what you do at work doesn't necessarily have to be your passion area. Um, but in this situation, If you're working in, let's say, business development, it can be very easy to kind of get a little bit ground down by, you know, I'm making all of, I'm doing all of these potential client outreach emails, and then I'm doing calls and they aren't panning out and we're having kind of a tough time at work. And what is the point of what I'm doing? But if you take the second to, you know, kind of zoom up to that, you know, eagle eye view and say, okay, so what does business development at this company do? Me making these calls and these emails and these things that like are kind of like grinding me down a bit. This is the life force for the company. This is how we get our customers in. This is how we help to impact these, you know, these customers' businesses. So while it might be really hard for me to have my, you know, let's say we have to have 50 outreach emails every two weeks or something. I'm throwing that from the top of my head. Um, And you can kind of get lost a little bit in, you know, the forest for the trees. Um, Looking at you are the person who's infusing future growth into your company. 
if you're in HR, it can get very tough. You know, again, you see the forest for the trees of every two weeks I'm doing payroll, I'm answering people's questions, I'm helping with benefit issues. And it kind of feels like all I'm doing all day is just answering questions and doing emails. Like, am I even helping? But I think in that case, again, if you take a big step back, you can say, well, I am helping. I'm making sure that the employees at this company are supported. They have the information they need. Benefits, we're, we're learning, especially medical benefits, are more and more important to us every day, especially coming out of COVID. And um, it really has helped us to all recontextualize the like, knowing who your insurance carrier is and where that your ID card is, is important. Um, so I would say that's the first thing to really look at when you're in a situation where you kind of feel like what you're doing is pointless. Try to take a step back. Try to see the bigger picture. Um, and I'm not going to say that every time that when you take a step back and you look at the bigger picture, you're going to see, oh, wow, I am making a big impact. You might actually learn that maybe you're not. And that's your answer for, okay, well, I think it's time for me to leave here. Do you think that if, so, if someone feels so passionate, like someone feels so passionately about <laughs> wanting to make a big impact, whatever that is, mm-hmm. and they, you know, do some reflection, find out they're not making an impact, mm-hmm. for those people, it's right to leave then. I think in that case, it is. It really is. And that's, that's important to them to have this impact. Absolutely. And I think that's where the self reflection and that's why, you know, I wish we could come and give this um, episode and tell everyone, you know, hey, we're going to give you the five questions to answer. And if you answer no more than yes, then you should leave your job. But everybody loves those quizzes, but they just don't yes. work. <laughs> but and that's the thing is, it's so individualized. And I know that's like so much less fun to hear. Um, but what we really want to do with this episode is is guide you in the right direction and help you to make the right decision for you as opposed to giving you, you know, the Cosmo quiz of, oh my goodness, I got four out of five no's. That means I need to leave my job. They're not all necessarily weighted the same. Uh, but what I will say and what I want people to leave with coming out of this, let's say one of the situations you're dealing with, you know, there are so many individual situations. If the situation that you're dealing with isn't one of the ones we discussed, one of those three, uh, there are, I think, a couple of questions to ask yourself that'll help you to get to the right answer. So wait, you Uh, are giving people the questions. I'm giving people questions, but more of like a do some journaling (laughs) or do some introspection rather than it being a yes, no. Yes, no, and it branches out to your answer. Exactly. I don't think it's not a decision tree. I'm not giving anyone Uh, a decision tree here. (laughs) Um, but I think a couple of questions to ask yourself and to really kind of dig into, you know, the first one is if you're feeling like you need to leave your job, you're feeling some level of dissatisfaction at work. The first question to ask is why do I feel dissatisfied? Are you bored with your tasks? Are you feeling like your work isn't being recognized by your manager or people higher up? Do you feel that you hate your commute? For a lot of people, and especially now that we're doing return to work, people are saying, I don't want to be at this job. I'm commuting an hour and a half each way. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. Or you can be like my husband who likes to commute. Exactly. Well, I will tell you, I do miss commuting just because it was like, 
a nice transition into the workday. As of now, where I roll out of bed <laughs> and I go to my desk and my day starts immediately. Um, so I think that's the first thing is understanding, you know, get to the core of why you're feeling dissatisfied. Um, now, once you figure out that thing, is it something you can control? So if it's something as basic as, you know, I don't feel recognized for my work. Okay, well, you do have some level of control in that because you can, you know, talk to your boss and say, hey, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right things here. Like, can you help me like ask for that validation? Um, and I know it's a very millennial thing to say. And I say that as a true millennial INFJ, like in my feelings, I want to be told that I'm doing a good job. Um, but that's something that you can control in that situation. Maybe you have a situation where you are frustrated by that long commute. You know, maybe you look at the situation, you say, is it worth me moving closer to the office? That might be something where I know I've done it in, I did in the past when I lived in New York. I changed what neighborhood I lived in because I didn't want to commute an hour and a half to work. I got it to a, a tight 30, including an, a mile walk <laughs> into Queens. Um, but that right there was enough that I was like, oh, I'm not dissatisfied at work. I'm just frustrated with being on three trains <laughs> to get to work. The next piece is if I leave my job or if I leave this company, will that actually change my circumstances? Will it actually affect the core of what's making me feel dissatisfied? I can answer this for you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you yes. leave your job, well, in your case, you really left the location, kept your job, moved to Dallas. Yes. Um, yeah. So it wasn't about your job. Yes. So, you know, was it? It was your commute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, that my commute is to, to my A, have more money. B, have been a lot happier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can wash your clothes in your own apartment. So, so exactly. <laughs> So that's one thing, um, but I, I like to call this like the, is the call coming from inside the house question is like, are you dissatisfied because of the circumstances you're in at that company? Or is this something that you're going to be frustrated with no matter where you're working? A example here is if you're someone who is working in programmatic um, advertising and you decide, okay, I'm going to leave my job and I'm going to get another programmatic job, and you hate working in programmatic advertising, you're still going to be miserable. The call is coming from inside the house. You need to make a bigger situation. Um, and then the last question I do really like to explain to people, and this is again coming from, it depends on your relationship with your manager and your relationship with HR, but have you shared your concerns or your dissatisfaction with your manager or HR? Because as we discussed earlier, this is a really great opportunity and a really good use of the human resources team to find a career path or a lateral move within your company, if one exists, that can keep you at a company that you like. If you love the company, you feel passionate about the work that the company does as a whole, but you're kind of hating your day-to-day -day job. This is a situation where, you know, your HR and your manager can help you to maybe not have to leave your job, but quote unquote, leave your job. In all your experiences in HR, how many people, like, do people approach you enough about switching teams or like taking on new roles? Or do you think that there's room for people to do more of that? I've never asked something like this because mm -hmm. I just always looked at it as like a separate job, but 
Mm-hmm. I certainly worked at a really big bank that there's plenty of teams and mm-hmm. I didn't like what I was doing, but I still actually really like the organization. So it's like, yeah. I probably should have went, you know, to a, a different it's, team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never thought about it. So I wonder how many people utilize it. So I will tell you, um, now this is all coming from my sample size of me, but <laughs> I think it is underutilized. Um, I will say when I was working in advertising, people were more open about coming to HR and saying, hey, I've worked on this client for two, three, four, five plus years. I'm bored. I need a new challenge. Get me on to another client team. And that was a little bit more of the norm. You know, like, for example, you either love or you hate being in financial services in advertising. And we would have people who said, okay, listen, like I was a good team player. I've been doing this for three years. Please put me on something fun. Yeah, please put me on like Cheetos or something. Exactly. Like give me a consumer packaged goods. Like that's where you get to do the fun stuff. Um, But outside of that, honestly, I think it's been underutilized because I've seen some some people at our company um, and our companies, you know, places I've worked at where they left the company for a role that if we knew they wanted to make that switch, like for example, moving from being in a programmer or a developer role into sales engineer, oh my God, we would have loved to keep them there, but we didn't know. And in that case, like I understand people are sometimes afraid to flag an interest that like, I don't love every second of my job. And will that affect my, my standing at the company? But I really do think that if you're in a company with a healthy environment, that they want you to grow and they would love to keep you at the company for as long as they can. Uh, Because that's training, that's expertise, that's understanding of your business that walks out the door if you leave because you're unhappy. At this point, we've kind of covered like, what are the things, you know, what are the main situations that you can end up in? What are the things that maybe you can do to help turn a situation around? Um, There are a couple red flags though that like, hard pass like if these are happening at your company or you're feeling these feelings um i really think personally it's time to leave i don't think these are things that can be easily fixed and candidly if you're seeing these things you don't you don't need to be the person who's dealing with a toxic work environment a hostile work environment uh life's too short you know these couple of red flags that it is definitely time to leave Uh, The first is any kind of bad acts by leadership. If you're seeing something where people are doing something, whether it's underhanded or they're maybe lying about the capabilities of your company's services or products, like these are things that there's something rotten in Denmark. It is not, (laughs) it is not the place to be and you are not the person to fix that. Is that a common analogy? Something's rotten in Denmark? I mean, maybe yeah. it's an older one. I, I've heard yeah, it in I've movies. Never, I've it's never movie. heard of it. Yeah. Of course. I don't know. Course maybe it's just my pop culture stuff. I'll have to look it up. We'll talk about it next episode. I'll tell you where it came from. The other thing that I would say is, you know, if you don't trust that the company is going to keep growing and developing, if you're feeling like the company is falling behind your competitors, if you're feeling like they're losing customers. Or they're actually going to fail. Exactly. That the company is starting to fail. Uh, That's another sign that it's probably time to leave. As we all know, it's easier to get a job when you have a job. So waiting for your company to kind of, you know, 
no longer exists make things very hard. And then the last one that I think is really important is if the company and what it is doing and what the business is and how the people work there is not aligned with your personal values and, and whatever your personal values are. It could be that you value money and performance and like, that's fine. And if you're working at a company that doesn't also value that, I really think that it's, it's not going to be a place that's going to be successful for you. And I think that it's a, a clear indicator that you can, you can go somewhere else and be happier. Now, another potential red flag i like to think of this as more like a pink flag like a i put this flag this white flag in the laundry with a bunch of red stuff and it didn't come out quite right is if your bad time at work is starting to ripple over into your personal life if it's starting to ruin your time with your family i think that's a situation where you should really dig into those self reflection questions and understand, you know, why are you unhappy? What is it that's making that negative experience trickle into your your personal life? If it is something where you're able to turn things around and salvage it, amazing. But if you aren't, I think that the fact that it's impacting your family life is a pretty solid flag to leave. So just as a reminder, those questions were, why do I feel dissatisfied? Is this something I can control? Is it something I can influence and change? If I leave my job or company, will it change my circumstance? And have I shared these concerns with the HR manager? Or would I be willing to do that? Yes. And we will make sure that these are shared um, afterwards. I'll make sure that they're shared in our episode notes so that you all have those for reference. I will say coming out of this, the key takeaway is if you're feeling dissatisfied at work, number one, you're not alone. And number two, you're not stuck. By asking yourself these really important self-reflective questions and being really honest with yourself about the answers, you're going to be able to create a positive path forward, whether that's with your current company or with a new one. So we've given you a lot to think about in your career this week. Thank you so much for listening today. And thank you for all of those questions. We got a lot of responses, actually more than we expected, Mm -hmm. but that was awesome. It was really good. Yeah, it was great. And it really helped shape this episode. So we absolutely appreciate your feedback and love all of your feedback. Mm -hmm. If you found today's episode helpful, please rate, follow, and share us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really helps the show to get to more people that can benefit from everything we're doing here. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at connecting the dots pod. You can follow Danielle at talk money underscore to me on Instagram. And you can follow me at just ask Genevieve. Thanks for the time guys. And we'll talk to y'all soon. Bye.